0: Good morning. Um, Wasn't that an incredible time of worship? We just absolutely love the presence of God. We just wanted to share with you that this Wednesday is our normal corporate prayer time when we pray together and we pray beyond ourselves. And um, I would (laughs) just like to encourage all of us as a church to be praying from 7 to 8 on Wednesday night. And um, would you please pray in particular for those among us who might be struggling with illness. Um, We would really like to see breakthrough for those folks. And I would also like that we would pray for um, the Ecuadorian family that is related to those in our church in Ecuador who are going through difficulties um, with the COVID virus and with um, their economy in their country. So let's pray beyond ourselves for the nations and probably the Eritrean families as well. (laughs) And anyway, whatever you hear, and everybody. Heart, <laughs> yeah, just pray how, as the Spirit leads. But if you hear something in particular from the Holy Spirit that you'd like to share with us, please um, send us a text or a message, and, or you can record yourself, and we'd like to all be encouraged by what you're hearing God say. Amen. Wonderful.
1: <laughs> Isn't she gorgeous? <laughs> She's been trying all morning not to get up in front of the uh, camera. We finally had to corral her. I just uh, loved that worship time and so grateful. I I was just thinking this morning, so grateful for team in total, uh, for the worship team that is leading us. You don't know how difficult it is to kind of lead worship when there's no people. It really takes a a focus. And uh, so I'm grateful, grateful for uh, Joe and uh, Fiona and Josh last week for Michael Green, Tony DeMayer, sharing the word, Uh, and then for all of us as a church. Thank you for your faithfulness. We've been able to help a number of families because together you guys have been generous and faithful, and so that's that's awesome. So I'm just so glad about team. You know, I've been kind of in a teaching mode because of the theology class, and uh, I realized early in the week as I was thinking about Sunday that that was kind of where my head was going, and I thought, okay, I put that aside. I just want to talk this morning. You know, I've uh, I've heard a lot of opinions about what is happening with this COVID-19, and some of what will happen uh, after this is all over. And I've heard everything from we're going to stay in this situation permanently to uh, this is God's judgment on sin, to this is an open door for one world government and the rise of the Antichrist. And uh, there's this huge spectrum. And uh, I really don't know about the future. I don't have a clear prophetic picture, but I do feel like I have a word from the Lord for today. And so let's focus on that and leave the future to him and uh, unless he tells us something clearly. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Ezekiel 37. Most of you know this. I've preached from it for a number of times, and we as a church have felt that God's spoken to us. But something just hit me again this week. So from verse 10, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath, or spirit, came into them. And they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Let me give you a little bit of background. Ezekiel was written from exile in Babylon. Ezekiel's focus was primarily on individual responsibility in that context, but Ezekiel's name literally means God strengthens. And while this initially referred to Israel, I believe it can apply to us as well. They said that they felt cut off. Anyone feel that way? <laughs> a bit cut off. They said they'd lost hope. And as a result, they lost the spirit, which is power and life. And then they dried up. I hope that that's not you this morning. But they were intended to be an army. Because in the middle of this comes this statement that they stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. Where did that come from? Ezekiel's in this valley of dry bones. Obviously they were intended to be an army. And they ended up, because of being cut off and losing their hope and losing the spirit and life, they ended up being just a bunch of dry bones where God intended an army. See, great in this context, an exceedingly great army, doesn't just mean numbers. It literally means a forceful force. They stood on their feet, a forceful force, a valiant or forceful group. A strong people. Or a great army. Why is that important? Because I believe that this is a season of strengthening. We don't need to worry about the future. We need to be responsible for what God is doing and saying today. In 1 Samuel... I read this as an introduction last week. In chapter 30 and verse six, speaking of David, all the people were distressed, the soul of the people grieved, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. When everything else was falling, around, falling apart around him, when people were upset, David strengthened himself. In uh, Joshua, Chapter 1, before they go in to possess the land, verse 9, God speaking to Joshua says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid or be dismayed. For the Lord God, your God is with you wherever you go. Song we sang, Jesus by our side. Breakthrough, because Jesus is by our side. Okay, there's something of us moving forward and then Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Like I said, I believe it's a season of strengthening, not shrinking back. But we need to realize it's God who strengthens us. But how does he strengthen us? He strengthens us when we do a few things. The first thing is praise and worship. Psalm 100. All the worship people and worship leaders know this one already because they quote this all the time. Psalm 100 and verse 4 is hiding. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. The uh, verse 2 says that come before his presence with singing. So the uh, gates and courts are representing the presence of God. It's actually entering His presence. We enter with thanksgiving. Let me ask you this morning, are you thankful for what you have? Or are you focused on what you don't have? See, we can get so focused on what we don't have that we forget to thank God for what we do have. I'm grateful on a regular basis that I have a roof over my head. There are people in the world who don't. I'm grateful that I live in this nation. We are amazingly blessed. I'm grateful every time I get in my car and I'm able to go to the store that I can drive. I thank God for the vehicle that I have. I don't say, oh, I wish I had a different one. I'm just grateful. But see, that thanksgiving leads us to worship. When we realize that God is the one who blesses us. Leads us to worship, not just listening to others worship. Though that's good too. You can put worship music on in the background, but there's something about going beyond that and actually worshiping that we enter his presence It's not just the atmosphere. It's actually his presence. It says, uh, Isaiah we read, those that wait upon the Lord. Mary was telling me earlier this week that the uh, root for that word wait is to bind with twisting. Like the fibers of a rope. Just all connected like a vine that that fights its way around something. There's something that's not just a Passive waiting. It's a pressing into God. It's worship that He strengthens us. So, God's presence as we praise and worship strengthens us in this season. But also, prayer. Second point is prayer. Philippians and uh, chapter 4, from verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. So you're going to add to your thanksgiving and worship prayer. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There's something of us talking to him about what we need. Well, see, it starts with coming into His presence, the place of praise and worship and thanksgiving. If you don't have thanksgiving, then what we tend to do is just worry about what we don't have rather than actually ask God. When we start with thanksgiving, but then, as Mary said, I want to encourage you, not only do you talk to God about what you need, but then pray beyond yourself. Intercede for others. There are others who have greater needs than us And then if you read on through the passage and you get to verse 13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm -hmm. In that context, there's strengthening. In that place of worship and praise and then prayer, there's a strengthening that takes place. But there's a third part as well. And that is studying the word. We're strengthened. Turn with me to uh, John chapter eight. Most of you would know this verse, but most of you often don't connect it with the verse before it. Verse 31 of John chapter eight says, and Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth, and the truth will, will make you free. If you abide in his word, there's something about this season of strengthening that we spend time in his presence in praise and worship. We pray, but we also take the time to abide in his word, to study his word. There's something that strengthens us in that. This last week I was preparing for the theology class and for the last week or two I've been studying again the kingdom authority that we have because Jesus rose from the dead, because we're part of His kingdom. Not only did He save us, but He brought us into this kingdom that His authority overthrows the kingdom of this world. And I realized again this week as I was studying it, that I have authority over the works of the enemy. I have authority over fear. I have authority over sickness in my life. I need to acknowledge those things as the illegal squatters that they are. They have no authority to be there. But I sometimes put up with them because I don't realize I have an authority to evict them. They're illegal squatters, I need to kick them out. But too often I don't because I don't know the word. I don't know the authority that I have. And it's hit me again that we have this authority But let me tell you, it's not just for us as individuals, praise and worship, prayer, studying the word, but also a season for God strengthening families. In a sense, we're forced together. This isolation forces families to hang together, uh, whether we like it or not. But I hope you don't see that as a difficulty, but as an opportunity. It's an opportunity again With thanksgiving, are you thankful for your family? Are you thanking God for your wife, your husband, for your children? Or the fact that you have to work and homeschool just driving you crazy? Start with thanksgiving. And praise, not just to God, but affirmation to them. Praise is declaring the good things about someone So are you sharing affirmation with your spouse, with your kids, or do we get so focused on just getting all the job done? (laughs) My wife just said I'm so handsome because she's gorgeous. But also prayer, are you praying for one another? Sometimes we get so focused on what we're doing that we miss the opportunities. Let me encourage you, don't ignore the cracks. Use this season as an opportunity to strengthen. Strengthen your relationships. Husbands, love your wives. Ephesians chapter 5. Most of you would know this, and I've preached from it before. I was trying to find out this morning when it was, but it's been a bit of a time. But Ephesians chapter 5 In verse 23. uh, Sorry. 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. There's a quality of love that is a giving up of ourselves. It's a giving of ourselves. Maybe you don't always feel like affirming your wife. Die to yourself and do it. Because she needs to hear Women need affirmation. They need to hear that they're loved. As men, sometimes we don't think we need that as much, but they do. I've told the story before of the old couple, farmer and his wife, who had been married for 30 years, and they were, she was upset, so they went to marriage counseling, and the counselor asked them what the problem was, and the wife said, he doesn't love me. And the husband's response was, woman, 30 years ago when we got married, I told you I loved you, and if I ever change, I'll let you know. He was not aware of his wife's need to hear that on a regular basis. But not only your wife, your children. But then it says in verse 33, Nevertheless, let each of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, but let the wife see that she respects her husband. So women, you need to understand that your wife's need your, your need is not the same as your husband's need. <laughs> now I am meddling. He needs to know that you respect him. Now you need to take, think about that. What does that mean? It's not just a matter of I love him, but I respect him. I appreciate what he does. I appreciate who he is. There's something different. We have different needs. The uh, golden rule, which Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, is wonderful. And it works everywhere except marriage. (laughs) You're going, what? Because if I treat my wife with just the respect that I need, it's not the same as what she needs. She needs to hear affirmation. She needs to hear that she's loved. She needs to hear good things. That's why women say, guys, if you haven't figured this out, do these pants make my butt look big? (laughs) is an opportunity for you to affirm. It's not an opportunity for the truth. You don't need that. The reason she's asking is because you haven't been affirming her enough. Oh, okay. Now my wife says I've gone to meddling. But let me tell you, it's not only husbands love your wives and wives respect your husband, but it's also train up your children we have this incredible opportunity, not just to teach kids reading and writing, but to train them in values. From the time a child is about four or five and they learn abstract thinking to the time they're about 10, they have a period of time where they learn values. And we can't abdicate that to a secular system. We need to actually say, okay, How am I going to train them? What values do I want them to have? But see, once they hit about 10, they've got the values. Now it comes down to applying them and learning how to make good choices and decisions. Someone said to me that teenagers get focused on authority. I want to make my own choices. I want to be able to decide what I do. Parents get focused on responsibility. You have to do these things and you have to fulfill these responsibilities. And a friend of mine once said they're two sides of the same coin. And the problem is we have to not just focus on the side that we like. If you have children, you need to focus on the authority side. So when my boys, we have three boys and they'd become teenagers and I was preparing them to get their license started way early. Uh, I'm not recommending that you do this, but I would take them to a parking lot of a store and let them drive when they were 13, 14 years old and teach them some of the basics, but also talked about the incredible privilege it is to be able to drive anywhere you want to go. And I said, man, this is you, you, can, you can decide where you go. You have this incredible authority when you get your license. But at the same time, I began to teach them responsibility. I said, guys, I want you to do this, and I will cover the the cost of the insurance for the vehicle, but you have to cover the cost of the excess. And so you have this great privilege privilege and, and authority, but you also have to carry the responsibility. Before you can get your license and drive, you have to have the excess in the bank. I'll cover the cost of the insurance, but you have to have the excess. And so they were so excited about because I focused not just on the responsibility but the authority. They were so excited about driving that they all saved up their money and had the, the money in the bank so that when they got their when they were allowed to get their license, they got it. And then I would just give them the keys of the car and say, "Go. This is what it's about. Now you can drive." I'm not telling them that I was waiting for this so that our oldest son could drive the younger ones everywhere they wanted to go, and I didn't have to do it on Saturday night. Uh, Don't tell him I said that. But that's part of a season of strengthening. Why is this a season of strengthening? I'm glad you asked. I believe it's a season of strengthening because my expectation for the future is an increasing moving of the Spirit of God with increasing signs and wonders, that sees tens of thousands of people want to Jesus here in Launceston. Not in the whole world. Not in all of Australia, but right here. Tens of thousands. But that requires a strong army. It requires not to make it happen, but to maintain it as it goes forward requires a kingdom of priests, ministering, baptizing, discipling, leading new churches. Someone told me that in the greater Launceston area there are somewhere around 60 to 80 congregations and there's somewhere between 8 and 10,000 Christians. I'm not sure if that's accurate, but that's what I was told. But a population in the greater area of about 110,000. And so that's about eight to 10%, which is the population, uh, the Christian population in Tasmania. And so if 10,000 people got saved, every church would double. And what would they do? They'd be overflowing. But if another 10,000 got saved, there's no room. Every church is full and overflowing, and then every facility in the city is gonna be full, but who's gonna be leading those? Who's going to be leading the worship? Let me tell you, I don't believe, as I look at the definition of church in the Bible, that Internet is church. It's what we have for now, but the very definition is a gathering of people. There's something that happens when we gather together. There's a synergism of worship. There is a body ministry. There's people being moved on by the Holy Spirit and sharing a ministry. and ministering. There's people praying for each other. That is a wonderful thing that while God is great and can manifest Himself in our lounge rooms, I bet you all miss that part. I do. As wonderful as times I have alone with God. And I would never trade that for anything else. There is something of the body gathering together. There's something of the gathering, which is what the word church means, that releases a greater, something greater. And so I just want to encourage you I believe that while we are doing the best we can with this in the season, that this is not the plan for the future, it's not God's plan. I think there are some people who maybe are restricted in, to home or, or aged care facility that uh, online streaming is, is essential. But I don't think it'll ever replace what God planned, which was a gathering of believers. So if we're going to see that happen, we need an exceedingly great army guy I know, Dudley Daniel, once said, your choices and decisions today are writing your job description for tomorrow. Your choices and decisions today are writing your job description for tomorrow. It's a season of strengthening. Are you working with the Spirit of God to be strengthened? So that as we move into something of an increase in what God's doing, we have a mighty army. How does this apply to us? I think there's a couple things, but I want to focus on a couple things I felt as I was praying this morning. I'm going to ask you first to take authority over fear. I'm going to ask you if you're watching, just put your hands on your chest. And I want you to just take authority over fear. And simply say, Fear has no place in my life. And I take authority over it and I say, Fear be gone in Jesus' name. And then ask God to rewire your thinking, to change the way we think. Friend of mine told me the other day that this season is a time for him to get a master's degree in thinking. Which is which is awesome. It's strengthening, changing some of the the neuron pathways so that the habits that we've had don't continue to affect us into the future. We have an authority. To overthrow, to destroy the works of the enemy. That's why Jesus came. He said, I came. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. Fear is the work of the enemy. Sickness is the work of the enemy. If you have a sickness, I'm going to ask you to place your hands on that area of your body right now. And take authority over it. And declare that sickness to be gone. In the name of Jesus. Sickness, you have no place. Cygnus, we realize that you are one of the works of the enemy and I just take authority over that in the name of Jesus and declare sickness to be gone from this body. In Jesus' name. I was realizing this morning that Jesus prayed for people who were blind and declared sight. I thought one of the works of the enemy is that he... Blinds the eyes of those who believe not. That's part of what He does. The God of this world blinds the eyes of those who believe not. And so there's something of us taking authority over blindness in people's eyes, not just natural, but spiritual blindness. Maybe you've been praying for a family member or somebody. Well, now beyond praying, let's take authority and make some declarations that their eyes will be open. Lord, we declare over these people, that their eyes will be opened in Jesus' name. We destroy the work of the enemy, which is to blind the eyes of those who believe not, and we just declare sight, spiritual sight once again, to those who have been blinded by the God of this world. Lord, thank you for the authority that we have in you. Now I'm going to ask you to pray this as well. Join me. Lord, I ask you to strengthen me in this season. That you would lead me, that as I come into your presence, there'd be a strengthening. As I pray, there'd be a strengthening. As I study your word, there'd be a strengthening. It's a season for strength, and as we wait on you, we're strengthened. A mighty army to impact the world around us in partnership with you and your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If God's doing something in you, we have a uh, family chat Facebook page that you can share those things or contact one of us. But let me just declare uh, the favor of God, the grace of God, the blessing of God be upon you His face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.